Welcome to Orion Valley. Hello, film listeners. I'm Josh Wall, and frankly, I love movies. Welcome to my podcast where I dissect movies with fellow film enthusiasts and discuss why we love the medium as much as we do. Today, Rihanna Henson makes her return from a three-year hiatus of the show to talk about a movie that we both hadn't seen but wanted to discuss because of the controversy and its presence in the awards season of the 2021 Oscars. That is Emerald Fennell's Promising Young Woman. Rihanna, welcome back to the show. It has been almost three years since you've been on. That's not fun. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Um, Excited to talk about a topical movie, a a new release, because for as much as I love talking about old favorites and movies that I love, I'm also very interested in speaking about movies that I didn't love. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I think I when I approached you, I know it's we had we always have like a bunch of titles that we love that we can talk about like forever and want to talk about immediately. But I've always like we we've done it before in the past where um neither of us have seen a movie. Have seen mm-hmm. the movie so we can kind of just uh, get the fresh thoughts and see like you know we're not coming into it with any personal bias or uh you know any uh preconceived notions or anything like that we're just seeing what we find together and it's a cool little exploration and i think we chose an, an interesting movie to do that with um we were talking about promising young woman today um from last year directed by emerald fennel and starring uh carrie Mull- mulligan and bo burnham and a bunch of other people uh there's a lot going on in this movie, and there's a lot for us to talk about. Um, I think it's important um, for me personally to just, you know, say up front, you know, obviously I, you know, being a, a straight white male, can't fully articulate, you know, some of the either issues or strengths or um, some of the messages that are present in this film. And I obviously don't have all of the answers, uh, and I'm not going to pretend to be like an absolute expert on what's going on here. I can only talk about what I noticed and um, what I liked or what I um, didn't like. So I don't want to like come off as like what, what I say is correct or is the, um, the right way to think about this movie. I'm just saying I can only say what I'm thinking. So I think I should give that disclaimer. at the top. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I think this movie is interesting because just for the first viewing, um, just in general, I want to know what do you go into when you sit down to watch a movie brand new? Do you have certain expectations from a first viewing? I find the first viewing to be pretty special. Um, and so what goes through your mind like when you're about to watch something for the very first time? Well, usually, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm seeking out movies that I do have an interest in watching in the first place. Um, rarely would I seek out a movie because it sounds like I wouldn't like it. (laughs) Um, But general buzz around a movie does make me interested to see what everyone is talking about because I don't want to miss out. And I'd say that's what Promising Young Woman was because honestly, the premise alone, I wouldn't have had much interest in watching it. Uh, You know, if I wanted to see a rape and revenge movie, 
I would opt for the much more traditional, I spit on your grave. I wouldn't be interested in one being compared to Todd Phillips, the Joker, which is a lot of (laughs) surrounding this movie. I'm like, wow, there's no way to more quickly turn off potential audiences than comparing it to one of the funniest movies uh, of (laughs) recent memory. Uh, But I saw a lot of, you know, conflicting opinions on this film. Even if you just go on to Letterboxd and scroll through the reviews, it's almost like there's no middle ground. It's either five-star reviews or, like, two-star reviews. Um, You know, I watched this movie with my boyfriend and... Immediately afterwards, there was not a much middle ground. I pretty immediately disliked it, and he liked it, and that's okay. Um, (laughs) I think when there's a film that warrants such strong feelings directly after first viewings, like without people having to sit and digest it or rewatch it, that alone is worth... uh, visit (laughs) and so uh sitting down to watch it uh, you know I want to enjoy a movie that I watch but at the same time I do want to watch something that I think would make me feel uh as if I didn't (laughs) I don't want to say didn't like it I didn't go into this movie expecting not to like it I, I went into this movie um, just basically interested to see what everybody was talking about. And I I didn't exactly have the movie spoiled, but there were some things that I knew about the film before I went in that did make me go in with a little bit of a bias. Um, a bias being that I wouldn't like it. But, uh, you know, uh, what I expected of the film was just for it to at least impress me, uh, which I think every film should aim to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, unless it's some good old camp, but uh, oh yeah, yeah. I so I wanted to be impressed. I wanted to like it. I I don't ever want to dislike a movie, but uh, I ended up disliking this movie. So <laughs> there's there's a lot um, to unpack about what you just said. I think that one of the things that's interesting about it is yeah there's there was a lot of controversy kind of in, like immediately about this movie as soon as it came out it premiered at Sundance last year in 2020 um and you know when it in controversy really in any sense or at least in most sense it it does make me at least curious about what the movie is mm-hmm. um and i i think controversial films may be a little bit uh easier to come by, I guess, nowadays, or controversy <laughs> attributed to films. Uh, and, you know, you mentioned Joker. That's a movie that I don't like. Uh, and it's, it, it is very interesting to have that movie compared or have Promising Young Woman compared to that um, because of, you know, what it does and what it says um, or is trying to say. Um, but I, I think that, you know, so any kind of like negative controversy or something or whatever, I'm, I'm always curious to see like, how it actually relates to the film and if it's valid or if it's maybe it's overblown. Um, but either way, a first viewing, if it's something that I've heard about, like, cause I've heard about this movie a lot. Um, and so when I sat down to watch it, I was like, okay, how is this movie going to connect with, or like affect me as opposed to how it affects everyone else? Like, is this sequence of scenes, is this way this movie's playing out going to affect me in the same way that it does 
either you or other friends or people that we read about or listen to or whatever. And it's kind of exciting. Like in any way, I'm always excited to do that because it's like I don't really know what to expect. Because like even when something is just if it's just controversial, I still don't know if I necessarily agree with it until the movie is over. And yeah, I only knew a little bit about this movie going into it, you know, uh, being that I, I knew that Bo Burnham was in it, which I was excited mm-hmm. about. I love Carrie Mulligan. Um, I knew that, you know, she that um, what, what's her character's name? Cassie. I knew that yes. she um, was, you know, uh, tricking guys into going home with her when she was acting drunk and then she would snap out of it and do some like sinister stuff. That's pretty much all that I knew about <laughs> it. Um but yeah, I, I think that this this movie is a great example of something we talk a lot about on the show about it's important to revisit movies. I think mm-hmm. that this movie is a perfect example of how it's also very important to let it sit for a minute. Like you see something and just kind of let it simmer a little bit just to like fully form your thoughts because we were originally going to do this um, a couple days ago and I'm really glad that we didn't. Yeah, because I think the initial thought, my really initial thought was like, you know what? I really enjoyed that. <laughs> and there are still things about this movie that I do enjoy. But the mm-hmm. more I thought about it, the more I realized how conflicting and confusing this movie was. Um, and because of that, it's a very, it's a very complicated movie. There's a lot going on. And, you know, the past couple of days, it's been good to just kind of go from thought to thought and try and figure out how I actually feel about this movie. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm very interested in your choice of the word complicated, because I think that was my biggest grievance with this film is that it's not complicated at all. Um, (laughs) I felt, and I like, let me explain. Um, Not to say that it was lowbrow or anything, but I just think the film and, you know, I can kind of stop myself if you don't want to quite get into discussing the thematic portions of the film, but uh, I felt that this freight, oh, Jesus Christ, I felt that this film was very afraid to lean into any sort of complex or complicated aspects or discussion of uh, rape culture. Mm-hmm. Grieving with sexual assault, uh, the aftermath of sexual assault and trauma, navigating dating and relationships uh, post trauma at the hands of men or the gender that you are seeking to date, which was in this film, men. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, I felt that the film really shied away from digging deep into those things at all. And so I felt it was ultimately a very uncomplicated depiction of dealing with trauma uh, and anger. Uh, And I felt that that was one of the worst (laughs) parts of the movie that it, it did not get into the uh, nitty gritty or anything that's even remotely complicated in regards to dealing with uh living in a society Mm -hmm. uh not to quote any jokerisms but living in a society (laughs) that does have some inherent uh 
tensions surrounding women operating relationships with men or dates or hookups with men uh, in the aftermath of experiencing, whether firsthand or secondhand, sexual assault and trauma at the hands of men. Mm-hmm. And so I thought this film was very uncomplicated in its depiction of that, if not completely sterile, which was another thing that I was really shocked by just how sterile and undaring, except for maybe the ending, uh, undaring this film was because, you know, you hear controversy. And I think where my mind immediately goes upon hearing about controversy is uh, the presence of excessive violence mm-hmm. or excessive sex uh, or thematic depictions of stuff that an audience might not agree with. And I could get into that later because I think that's the route that the movie should have taken. Uh, So I was like, okay, this will probably be some, you know, some violence against men. Probably. I don't know. Maybe we'll get a scene of castration or something. And that's what all the controversy was about. That honestly was exactly my thought as well. (laughs) (laughs) I I was like, there's probably some, something pretty, crazy that happens and that's what the controversy is about and there was a shocking lack of content that is traditionally considered controversial to the point where I was almost like what warrants controversy about this film like I I I left with that question of why are people even talking about this (laughs) Uh, because I thought it was kind of unremarkable in its not only depiction of grief and anger, but in any kind of conversation that it wants, because I kind of feel that all of the conversation it would warrant uh, has been exhausted. I think if this movie was made 10 years ago, that maybe it would have been a little more, uh, you know, remarkable or new or fresh. Um, but at this point, I felt like it, it was just, I was... It was almost like seeing a commercial that you've seen hundreds and hundreds of times. And I'm just like, this movie is is presenting to us things that we as the public kind of already have heard and hopefully Mm -hmm. understand. Maybe not everybody does, but uh, hopefully we understand uh, Mm -hmm. the themes that it was, you know, kind of giving to us, uh, even though I think the film was ultimately not dealing with any kind of themes that would be new or exciting. Exciting is the wrong word. Uh, new or <laughs> rejuvenated with the themes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for audiences to deal with. And I think the movie was doing that on purpose, uh, which is a grievance that I have with the film. Uh, I, dare I say beef with the film. <laughs> Where's the <No>. beef? <laughs> um, I, I totally get what you're saying. And I just want to clarify that when I say like complicated, I think it's just it, um, not in terms of like hard to understand. Mm-hmm. Um, just like there's a lot going on and a lot to discuss discuss like what um yeah. like what we're doing um and i and i totally agree that the themes of uh you know of sexual assault uh and you know violence against uh women and uh, all of that like are i, I kind of want to get into it a little bit later because it's a, a little bit specific but it's it's present but it's not really fleshed out it's not really as um 
Yeah, it doesn't. Like, I kept thinking about this movie in terms of like Gone Girl because I was going into it. I was like, oh, okay, is this going to be one of those? I was also thinking of the controversies like, is this painting women in a bad light? Is that what people think? Is people getting the wrong impression of it? And I just kept thinking like when I was going into it, I was like, okay, I'm kind of expecting something along the lines of uh, of Gone Girl in terms of like how she manipulated that story and that like relationship between the two of them. Uh, and I love that movie very, very much. Um, but I was going, and, and as the movie was going on, I was just thinking that it didn't really seem like, I, I, I don't, I, I don't really know how to describe it. It just, it, it seemed it was tamer than I was expecting it to be. I do Very think the tame. movie takes it takes some you know leaps in terms of yes how the the twist ending like there's two definitive twists in the movie and I, they definitely got me. I didn't see either of them coming uh, and yeah it wasn't as it didn't pack as hard of a punch as I was expecting. I think a lot of that has to do with um, the fact that I was I was watching uh, a couple interviews with the director. Uh, about this and you know when people are asking her about the tone and what like the genre is like what and even she kind of wasn't really sure what <laughs> it was she was like it's a revenge thriller black comedy social commentary right like she even she had like a question mark at the end of it and i was like i i guess so like i'm not really <laughs> sure uh, because it's like it kind of doesn't really pick what it wants to be i think yeah. it, it like it could be because there's a fairy tale fantasy element to it there's the rom-com element like in the second act and then there's the thriller twisty black mirrory kind of mm-hmm. uh aspect of the of the finale yeah. um and there's just a lot of clashing things going on well, with the I'm, way that the presentation, with the way that the story's told, and it's just, it's a little strange. Yeah, can I ask what you consider to be fairy tale elements? Because that was another grievance that I had was the script was so on the nose mm-hmm. to the point where I was like, okay, we need something to kind of break that threshold of reality. Because I, I was thinking of American Psycho, where, you know, when you both read the book and watch the film... You're watching these soulless, horrible businessmen deadpan about how racist they are, how misogynistic they are, how shallow they are. And it's so on the nose where you're like, people wouldn't just be this forthright in real life. And then you have that fantastical element of brutal murder mm-hmm. and ATM machines asking to be fed cats. Like you have those facets <laughs> that separate it from reality that then make it not a parody of itself but rather a commentary and i thought that this film was lacking any of those fantastical elements that would make it a commentary and instead i felt the script was being played so straight to the point where it did become a parody in and of itself like i felt that the script was very tailored to what would make the best gif that you could use as a reaction on twitter Mm-hmm. I I just I I I thought it was really lacking anything that would make the script less <laughs> not bad, but I, I just thought it was lacking <laughs> fantastical elements that would make it a commentary. Uh, yeah. So I'm very interested what you think was the fairy tale aspect. 
I think it, a lot of it is I also listened to a, a couple podcasts on this, including uh, the big picture did a whole conversation about this movie. And I think that because one, one thing that really struck me was how, you know, every single, cause the movie's broken up into those like kind of almost episodic aspects, like the one, yeah. two, three, four, five, and each one of them goes perfectly like according to plan, like everything is executed the way that um, Cassie wants, uh, like how, how she wants it to happen. And she gets the outcome and reaction that she is looking for. Um, and it seems kind of glossy in that sense. Like it's very like in, in most other revenge thrillers, like especially I, I just watched recently in quarantine, the Nightingale, which is Jennifer Kent's second movie. Um who directed the Babadook uh, and it, it's fantastic. And the, that movie it's like gritty and very hard to watch, but it's also, there's a lot of like hiccups in the characters. They have a lot of emotional like reckoning to deal with. Um, but in this movie, everything goes according to plan. It seems like, yeah. Uh, and that part of it was kind of fantastical, but it's also like there, like you said, there's nothing to anchor it to make it be like, I mean, and I'm not saying this is the best idea, but it's something where it's like, oh, you know, this is like Casey's waiting at the doctor's office and this is actually all going on in her head. And so we <laughs> come back and it's actually the real life, you know, kind of thing. I don't know. But like, there's nothing like that. Everything just goes smooth sailing all the yeah. way through. <laughs> yeah. I, smooth okay, sailing I is the wrong term, is the wrong term of phrase, but you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And I would agree with that. Cause honestly, that was something that I thought of that took me out of the movie because you see her, uh, tallying all these men that she scolds, uh, <laughs> at home. And I'm like, she's done this tens of times and has not been, assaulted or or anything like i thought that was almost an unrealistic depiction of fucking around with strange men that she herself hasn't been uh attacked or or brutalized or traumatized in any way uh you know and we'll talk about the ending later but uh yeah that was something that i almost felt was uh, a little unrealistic the the fact that this whole movie is lensed through through cassie is the fact that like yes we see her experience like people harassing her like throughout but the main mm -hmm. thing that sets her on this journey is something that didn't happen to her <laughs> yes it's like thank revenge you. for her friend thank you that's what i was going to say mm -hmm. uh I, because you know she does all this and is is pretty unscathed. And I always forget, well, not forget, but uh, she herself was not the victim of mm -hmm. the, the sexual assault that was the catalyst for this film. And that was another thing that I felt was kind of ridiculous uh, because, okay, let me map out my thoughts here. <laughs> she is, you know, uh, executing revenge on behalf of her friend who was assaulted and it's heavily implied that her friend then committed suicide. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that the film, while it was trying to imply that a lot of this anger has taken over Cassie's life, you know, she dropped out of med school. She's 30 and living with her parents, working a pretty dead end job, doesn't really have friends. Uh, so I think while the film was trying to depict Cassie as someone who has been 
pretty emotionally stunted secondhand uh, through this trauma. Uh, I, I think it should have, again, leaned in and gone a lot further and depicted her as completely asocial. I was thinking of the piano teacher, uh, which hey, hey, you know, callback call back <laughs> three years ago. It all comes together. I was thinking of the piano teacher depicting a woman trying to navigate, uh, you know, her feelings towards men and reckoning with her own feelings towards sexuality uh, in a world that is pretty unforgiving to women, uh, which we see depicted beautifully throughout the piano teacher uh, and dare I say geniusly. But, you know, our protagonist of the piano teacher, she's an asocial freak. She's living with her mother and shares the same bed with her mom, just completely dependent. She's a weird pervert, you know, spying on couples. And so she's weird. And I thought that that should have been something way more uh, fleshed out with Cassie is I think she should have been weirder. Um, because I think the film ultimately still wanted its audience to relate to Cassie and you don't need to worry about that. You being the filmmakers, because so many women already can relate to trauma having to do with sexual assault, whether with themselves being the victims or someone they know. So you don't have to worry about making your character relatable because I think they made her too relatable because somebody doing this and spending all this time doing this would be very weird in real life. And I think the movie started to depict that a little bit with her parents being concerned, her boss being kind of concerned. And then that very brief, almost weird scene of Cassie going to Nina's mom and Nina's mm-hmm. mom very quickly saying, like, give it up and leaving. Uh, and then we yeah. never hear from <laughs> Nina's mom again. And I was like, whoa, that should have been a way bigger thematic thing of, you know, uh, moving on or having to deal, which, yes, sucks. It, it sucks that often the case in real life is the victim has to be the one who learns to move on while their uh, assailant kind of moves on with their life and gets on scot-free as we see with Al Monroe in the film. What a name. Uh, What a name. (laughs) But uh, I think this film did not make Cassie weird enough. She's still very likable and quippy and, and manages to swing some dates with like a hot, charming doctor (laughs) Bo Burnham and uh it felt very not believable in my opinion I totally get what you're saying and I I do want to like at least give a little bit of positivity to this movie I do think Carrie Mulligan (laughs) sorry no 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 it's it's both of it I I I do think Carrie Mulligan gives a fantastic performance I've always really liked her um I think I think she's really committed she does um you know is she's relishing in every second of her being on screen. Um, I do agree that her character is just interesting because um, yeah, it's, it's, it's weird that it, this, this again comes back to the conflicting elements of the movie. Like the whole like section that basically turns into a rom-com was enjoyable because I like the chemistry <laughs> between Carrie Mulligan and Bo Burnham. But at the same time, it does feel like hyper normal in a very abnormal scenario that the movie is trying to depict this woman who is 
you know, taking revenge on men. But then this other rom-com aspect is so, so normal <laughs> and kind of, uh, it, I don't really know how to describe it. Like, like all one thing I was going to say earlier is that all the humor in the movie is told is through like Bo Burnham. And there's some good ones. Like when the Vern Cox is like, how many kids have you killed? And he's just like, what? Like <laughs> that was funny. But at the same time, like that's all mm. stuff that's in that feels like another movie almost. Like it's that's like a whole <laughs> yeah, the whole this... rom com section is just like so close to being detached from the rest of it because of how completely again normal it feels to a as opposed to the rest of the movie, which is trying to be so thrilling and daring. Um it just it doesn't mesh together in my opinion. It's it's very strange. Yeah. I'm really glad you brought up, um, you know, the chemistry between Carrie Mulligan and Bo Burnham because I thought they had a lot of chemistry. And that's why I wish the film really spent a lot more time letting us see that relationship. <laughs> we get to see the relationship bud over like a three-minute montage mm-hmm. uh, and a very quippy confession of mutual love. Uh and I was like, this is kind of weird. I would have much preferred to see, uh, you know, Carrie Mulligan navigating uh, a relationship and trust in this man when she's spent the last, what, like two years, like seeing the worst of men. Um, I'd assume that would kind of bring some pause to starting a relationship with a man, uh, <laughs> maybe. And instead we see, again, what I will call a very sterile depiction. I thought the movie was so sexless when uh, I think, you know, consensual, safe, trusting sex is an important uh, thematic element to bring up in conjunction with reeling from sexual assault, whether you are the victim or just experienced it secondhand through seeing your friend be victimized. Uh, and I think that would have been something really interesting to see about her relationship with Bo Burnham. And <laughs> the only shot we get of them like in bed that has any kind of implication that sex happened or is going to happen, they're both like fully clothed and just eating potato <laughs> chips in bed. I'm like, what is this? Yeah, they have like the I- same pajamas on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I felt like I was watching something for television or made for television. It felt like something that was kind of stopping itself and and showing a lot of, uh, you know, and not censorship, but uh very unwilling to go further because I think, you know, it would have been a little too hard to write uh, a scene in which Carrie Mulligan deals with wanting to have sex uh, with Bo Burnham. Like, we didn't really see that. Uh, And I think that sex, again, safe, happy sex, is something that should be shown in conjunction with reeling from violent traumatic sexual assault and this film just didn't go there and it should have that's a that's a great point because i i I actually hadn't really thought about that but you are right this movie is and i i I hate to say it because it sounds kind of sleazy where it is a very sexless (laughs) movie but like you're saying it would have been a good kind of contrast which brings me to another point um that i thought was interesting like carrie mulligan's character she doesn't really have an arc 
she doesn't really go yeah. through a lot of she doesn't really go through a lot of change. She's very it, yes, yeah. Which was again kind of a because yes, at first she she feels like oh maybe I can you know you know trust men again. I guess is what we're supposed <laughs> to believe is she's when she's with Bo Burnham, but like yeah. you know then there's that turn when she finds out the, with the video, which was really cool. Like that was a good like oh good tension where you don't actually see the video and it's just her reacting to it, and the mm-hmm. whole thing with Allison Brie. Um, who's also good in this movie. Um, mm-hmm. That was a good twist. Um, but again, like the ending, and I, I don't want to get into like too much of it now, but like by the end of when, when the movie was over, I was just thinking like, I, I just don't know what change or what actually happened to her throughout or by the end. It was just, it didn't really seem, and I, I'm not well-versed in revenge thrillers, maybe as other people are. Um, maybe that is a, a familiar trope that maybe that once you just get revenge, there isn't anything else after that. But mm-hmm. I don't know. It just it just felt weird that it was just the same person kind of all the way through. Yeah, I agree. And, and you know, that goes back to what I said about how Cassie should have been way weirder and mm-hmm. way more stunted because, you know, in, in real life, people who don't ever experience that kind of personal growth are very often left in the dust and, and kind of stagnate in uh, adulthood and society. And, and it seemed like the movie was trying to imply that with Cassie, but then once they start to, they reel back and they make her likable and quippy and being hot while spitting in Bo Burnham's coffee. (laughs) Like it it had to make sure that we liked Cassie the entire film. And that was an issue that I had because really quick, sorry. When we get that reveal of how Bo Burnham was involved in Nina's assault, I, (laughs) I've thought for a minute, I was like, Oh, this is going to be interesting because we're going to see Cassie kind of grapple with the moral quandary of do I forgive this man uh, because I, I have supposedly fallen in love with him? Do, do I continue with this relationship? Do I try to hear him out? But what would that mean for me as a defender of, of women, as the defender of my friend, if I'm giving any kind of benefit of the doubt to this man because I have a relationship with him, I've introduced him to my parents. And that would have been that arc that I think would have been very good for characterization. But there's the threat of, you know, the audience turning on Cassie, saying that, oh, I would never do that in real life. Like women stand up for other women, no matter what, you know, drop that boy, dump him. Mm There would have been the threat of the audience turning on Cassie. And so I think the filmmakers didn't do it and didn't go there. And I think that's kind of a cheap um, because I think seeing Cassie deal with that moral question of, okay, well, do I continue this relationship that's good for me? And, and that seems to give me a lot of opportunity for growth and healing and moving on, uh, even though it goes against what I've spent the last however long amount of time doing and, or, or do I, you know, dump him? And Mm -hmm. we don't see her deal with that. We see her take a walk and then she's immediately back in revenge mode. Yeah. Uh, That, that brings up a great point. Um, Because I was, I was 
in that same interview that I watched uh, with Emerald Fennell, because you're right, she does kind of like the only that that scene where she's just like, I'm going to like leak this video to the Internet <laughs> and your career is going to be over. That honestly should have been a moment where she like ties him to a bed and like is going to threaten to like cut his nipples off or something like go like just go for it, like really go for it, which I thought this movie was going to do. And mm-hmm. but that's kind of a side note. Um, the the thing I wanted to say was that in that same uh, interview, Emerald says, um, I, I can't remember what the question was, but she got to a point where she said, um, I think the question was like, do you are you afraid that people are going to construe like Cassie is a bad person? And she was like, well, I don't think any of these characters are bad people. They're kind of byproducts of a society and culture that has perpetuated this kind of behavior. And I think that something like that could be interesting to explore like and you know the byproduct of rape culture and how but like here like you said they're so determined to make you like them and honestly i think this movie would have been better if they were just like hey these people are kind of shitty they're pretty bad that was the best thing about gone girl is you're watching gone girl you realize both of those people are completely in the wrong and they're horrible. They are horrible people. But it's still yeah. interesting because there's a lot of conflict and there's a lot of, um, not like, I don't want to say like rage in the making, but there's honesty in it. And there's like a lot of psychological stuff going on. But yeah, here it's it's so much played for compassion where I think I think that then in, in turn makes a, okay, she's doing these terrible things, but we want people to like her. So we're trying to kind of tiptoe around <laughs> what she can do. And yeah. it, it doesn't it, like it's just it's so weird. Like I don't like it was so. Yeah. I just wish they went for it. Yeah. Same. And every time we think that Cassie has done something reprehensible, the movie is like, just kidding. <laughs> She's the big the bigger person in all of this, because I thought the most compelling parts of the film were, uh, you know, when that whole chapter sequence, which started what halfway through the movie. Um, yeah. <laughs> started. Yeah. <laughs> You know, she gets dinner with the old friend from college and Mm -hmm. that friend from college really stands for a lot of what it sounds like Emerald Fennel uh, was discussing in that interview of how we all enable uh, rape culture. Uh, We all enable shitty men who kind of don't ever think about what role that they play. And that seemed to be what the old friend from med school was supposed to represent. And she's like villainized in the movie. Uh, Mm -hmm. And, you know, Cassie, it seems like she went there and did something that actually falls in line with the traditional sense of revenge, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But she didn't. The movie shields her from that. It shields Cassie from us uh, like judging her. Uh, which I think it shouldn't have done that because if Emerald Fennel wants to talk about all of us playing a role in enabling, you know, uh, inherent, subtle violence against women in society, then she should have included the protagonist of her film in that because I think a depiction of that from Cassie would have been her continuing a relationship with Bo Burnham. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, uh, she didn't even have to necessarily have her old med school friend get assaulted or the teenage girl get assaulted in these 
traumas that she orchestrated for somebody else's revenge. That didn't even need to necessarily happen because her continuing a relationship with Bo Burnham would have been enough to get us as the audience to see her as someone enabling this, you know, state of culture, for lack of a better phrase, of rape culture uh, that we're in. But Emerald Fennel didn't go there. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of funny that she said that in her interview because I think she failed to do that. (laughs) Also, the vignette style is is interesting because like you said yeah it does kind of come in halfway through the film <laughs> again like i i just don't th- there's a couple things that i, I that kind of i don't understand because what's interesting it's so weird because i'm so conflicted about this movie because there's so much about the story and the character that i don't like but like the way that it's made it's a very colorful candy kind of looking movie it's very well shot it looks good the performances are good but like I just have so many questions. Like, also, I I don't know if you noticed this. Maybe I mis noticed it or something. But like that scene when when she takes the first guy home or goes home mm-hmm. with the first guy, like before the title comes up, yeah. and then she's walking home the next day. Does she have blood on her hands? Uh, well, she's eating a, a hot dog. She is a good eating old a hot New dog. York uh. bodega hot dog. <laughs> uh. I she, thought she had like so blood she, coming ketchup, down her arm. Oh, is it? Oh, okay. That makes a lot more yeah. sense. Because I thought she had blood coming down her arm. I was like, oh shit, she fucking killed this guy. Yeah. All well, right. I think <laughs> it's really funny that the movie is trying to do that bait and switch. And then when we see her with McLovin, we get the, the uh, reveal that all she does to these men is give them a talking to <laughs> and then leaves which i'm like is this a joke like th- this is so stupid i i'm sorry i'm being very extreme with my feelings but i i thought that was so ridiculous that her idea or uh, i'll say the filmmaker's idea of revenge against these men who are subtly violent or violent in a way that they don't necessarily realize because it's not as forthright as a Patrick Bateman type uh, are just scolded. Yeah. Uh, That also brings to light like another interesting thing that we talked about is the speaking of talking, the dialogue is kind of like this Instagram, Twitter fight argument kind of dialogue. That's so that has kind of, well obviously like been more modernized because of social media but like i don't know what it is about certain movies that try and make a social commentary but they feel like they that's the only way that they can express it in terms of a modern argument and it's ham-fisted dialogue you mean yes yes like when she's like uh uh, oh so now you don't want me to be home it's like so weird (laughs) like it's just uh it's so so strange it's the same as like i told you like the black christmas remake that came out a couple years ago the whole movie is just like as if people are arguing about women's rights and gender roles and you know (laughs) not there's literally an argument where someone says not all men are like this and then a fist fight breaks out like it's (laughs) it's ridiculous i don't so i don't understand why like why are people so afraid of subtext like we're gonna Ah. get it (laughs) I, okay, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm, God, I want to go on a tangent talking about, uh, you know, what the state of, I feel, fictitious depictions of real life issues currently is, because I think this film is a good example of being afraid of anyone misinterpreting anything. You know, if they didn't have that ham-fisted 
stupid dialogue then uh there's there's room for misinterpretation and i think the filmmakers didn't want that and that to me is so cheap like like what do you care if the audience that you're making this film for because that's another grievance i have with the movie is it felt like a product made for people that the filmmaker knew would love this movie uh, you know, the slacktivists of social media. I think this film <laughs> kind of panders to those people. Uh, it, it felt like a product made for them. Uh, and God, what was I saying? Oh, so you don't want to risk that audience misinterpreting what you're trying to say or turning against your protagonist because it seems like you're hoping that people will make her your, their Twitter avatars and i was being pretty serious i say it kind of in jest but i'm being serious when i say that it felt as though most of the script was written in such a way where you know when you go on twitter and people use reaction gifs or Mm -hmm. just post gifs with the dialogue uh uh subtitled from a clip from a movie of somebody saying something like, yes, all men or, or whatever. And people use it just in social media uh, as a placeholder for whatever they could say or articulate. They let the gift do the work. Uh, and it felt like the this, this script was written with that in mind of, of what is the most gifable, quippable dialogue that we can have these people say. And people don't talk like that in real life, I don't think. Um, sure, there's a lot of lines that it's a general sentiment that we've heard over and over again when it comes to, you know, trying to stand up for victims of sexual assault, like the regular excusing from institutions such as academia. You know, we get that scene with Cassie confronting the dean of her med school. We do hear uh, general sentiments of, well, she was drinking, or, well, these are good, promising young men. We don't want to ruin their lives. Mm-hmm. So, yes, it's realistic in that sense. But to hear it said from these characters so shamelessly and so regularly, that's where it almost felt like a parody of itself because it was lacking the fantastical element of gruesome murder or whatever that. Uh, you know, commentaries on society such as American Psycho on materialism and consumerism have to separate it from poor ham-fisted writing and instead raise it to commentary and parody. And this film was just lacking that. And uh, yeah, and it just, and it, which leaves behind a very, uh, uh, blunt, but not in like a very good way, a very blunt, uh, um, non-nuanced script that feels like it, it should have been like workshopped at. Like, did anybody read the script out loud before filming? Because it just feels like not the way that people talk and Best performances. To- oh, I'm sorry. so sorry. No, no, no. I please continue. I'm sorry. Uh, You know, and then we have the performances from McLovin and Bo Burnham that kind of uh, give that bad script a little bit more grace because they play very uh, believable, if not funny, performances. Um, So I think that the film's overall, you know, 
performances from their uh, cast gives this not good script a lot more grace. But Mm -hmm. uh, I think the script, again, really shows how not good it is uh, in the ending. And I'll keep from naming the exact example I'm thinking of if you don't want to go there yet. But uh, yeah. Yeah, no, I I think the best example of that is kind of in the beginning, especially with the dialogue was when literally the opening, you know, of the movie when, you know, the first bar incident, it starts on these three guys, um, one of whom is uh, I got the, the, the black guy is uh, Richard on Veep and he's very funny. He's fantastic mm. and so likable and such a, a complete turn in this movie. Um, but the way that they're talking to each other is so, so strange. And what they're I, saying, like, I, I don't, I, uh, okay, I, I know and I, I get that there are many people and horrible, horrible people who are, you know, uh, misogynists and talk about, you know, women as if they're like fucking like football players in a locker room and like just <laughs> overlive like they're dogs or something. But it was, it seeing it on film, it just feels so so strange when they're just it's like, ridiculous. oh man, look at her, she's so sloppy over there. Like, uh, uh, <laughs> can we please like put it together? <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous, and I I was immediately turned off. But I was like, all right, well, you know, the saving grace of Carrie Mulligan, I don't know, castrating the guy that picks her up would be what makes this uh, kind of switch from bad script writing to commentary and a satirical because it's so unrealistic because nobody could just like murder all these men and get away with it. Um, But then that didn't happen. And so I'm Mm -hmm. like, Oh, this is just how the script is. It's Mm -hmm. just plain face. Yeah. And I, I agree. They do the same thing in the, the scene with Connie Britton, who's the Dean of the college. I love Connie Britton Mm -hmm. and she's great. That scene is, is interesting because it, it does have some, you know, some good tension. I will say I did laugh a little bit when Connie Britton is just yelling, where's my daughter? Because it's kind of funny. Um, but <laughs> uh, but it, it brought up this light of like, what's the end goal? Maybe maybe this is a bad question, but I'm not 100% sure with a lot of these like early vignettes or whatever, like you said, mm-hmm. with the scene with Chris Furman's plots, who's McLovin and her just scolding these people. And then that <laughs> one where she's trying to like say, OK, you did something wrong to the dean. I just don't know what the end goal is. Like, I, I don't know, like in a lot of other revenge thrillers, from what I understand, there's like one goal, right? Mm-hmm. One thing, got to get revenge on this person for this because of this, right? Mm-hmm. And the episodic vignette kind of style of this movie kind of makes it feel I, I, like, un, again, it, it kind of adds to the uncertainty of where we're going. Now, I think those scenes, like when she's talking to Alison Brie and talking to Connie Britton, like they're well acted and well performed and there's an interesting way of how they shoot it because there's some interesting tension there. But like mm-hmm. just its placement within the story is just very, very strange because they uh, overall, they don't really have any way for like, she also almost like she, the, the thing that we haven't mentioned already <laughs> is the, um like the, I, the fact that when she talks to Alison Brie, there's the one guy who is going to like, make her feel like he 
raped her in yeah, a hotel which, room also, and there's a hitman outside of Alpha Molina's house <laughs> who's gonna kill him <laughs> well that that was I was wondering the uh the very Slavic looking hitman I, I was like he looked like straight out of like a gangster movie he's in like a sweatsuit uh but I was like uh, like was he going to kill Alfred Molina? Because every other previous um, episode, I guess, of Cassie doing this really extreme, specific revenge, extreme in terms of the movie. And Cassie's very horrible, no good, very bad day. <laughs> yeah. Uh, every other example that we saw, nothing happened. Like, there were no, like, dire consequences. It was just all in their heads. Uh so I was like, was this guy going to fucking kill Alfred Molina or was he just going to come give him a good scare? Mm -hmm. Like, cause that would have, that would have been, you know, something kind of different from what Cassie had previously done. Uh, but we didn't see it. So I guess it doesn't matter cause it didn't end up happening. I, I, yeah. And again, I just don't know, like, and Alfred Molina again is great in his scene. I mean, he's great in anything. He's Alfred Molina. Like, how could you not love him? But mm -hmm. it's just interesting because, you know, he obviously has this trauma or like this um, almost like PTSD after because he was the lawyer of the, um, the, Boy, Al the, the of, of Al Monroe. Right. Um, and so when he like is breaking down it, you almost think that, OK, this is going to make Cassie have a change of heart. And so when she says no to the guy, Mm -hmm. You know, maybe that thinks like, OK, she's going to she's going to change. But again, like by the ending, it doesn't really matter. And also my question is, so she has that one guy take Allison Brie home, like to her, uh, her to hotel, the room, hotel room, hotel room. Right. Yeah. And then the next day she's like, uh, Cassie, uh, did 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 anything happen with this guy? And Cassie was just like, uh, no, nothing happened. And then Allison <laughs> Brie just seems like she doesn't really think of it again. As opposed to her yeah. being like, so does that mean you know this person? Did you hire? Like, did, like I feel like there would be more yeah. questions. You know, it was just. Yeah. It's weird. Well, again, Cassie. Oh, sorry to interrupt. But no, Cassie that was is it. generally. I, I saw that as another example of the film being very forgiving towards Cassie and uh, her, her rage. Uh and, you know, which is valid. Rage like that is valid. But the movie was just afraid to depict her as a weirdo. Uh, because in real life, that's a very weird thing to do. And uh, Alison Brie, we get to see her be like, don't ever contact me again. But <laughs> again, the only real social consequence that Cassie faces from tricking Alison Brie into thinking she was assaulted was a friend that an old friend that Cassie didn't like anyway, being told to never contact her again. Yeah, that was another... I don't understand her role in everything. Like, Alice how is Breeze? that? Yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe I just missed it. Well, she... Uh, didn't give Nina a lot of support. I, I, I don't think that was all that Cassie deemed her guilty of. I, I think it was like she took Al Monroe's side or something. Um, which, again, it was maybe the film trying to depict the somewhat casual ways that people continue to enable 
uh, reprehensible behavior by saying things like it was a party, we were kids, what was I supposed to do? Stop being friends with everybody? Like, stuff like that. Um, But the film clearly depicted that through... uh, Alison Brie being not exactly a villain, but very unlikable. Uh, so if if the film is trying to show that, you know, people casually, maybe even unconsciously, uh, enable, uh, I don't want to say bad behavior, that's an understatement, but bad behavior, for lack of a better phrase, from men, uh, and it should have shown that with Cassie and, and continuing to date Bo Burnham. That was just such a, a cop out. Yeah, it would be. Yeah, that's true. Like, yeah, she doesn't face any consequences other than, you know, in the ending, which we can get into the ending now yeah. if you want, because I think it, it sure. has it has a lot, you know, obviously to do in terms of bringing home uh, like certain criticisms and the position of the movie. But like, yeah, other than her, like she's. She goes to the bachelor party um, and, you know, drugs everybody except for Al Monroe, ties him to a bed. And is I guess she's going to, like, carve Nina's name in his chest or something. Yeah, fat uh, girl with a dream tattoo. Yeah, uh-huh. And but less cool. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, Al Monroe breaks free somehow. Um, like he had a handcuff and then it just wasn't there anymore like it was that was weird and then um, she and then he kills her which was a a scene that's like very hard to watch and I definitely was not expecting it and so I I, you know praise the movie in that but like and then I I had this fear that it was like oh no are we going to be focusing on fucking Schmidt from New Girl and this guy for the rest of the movie, I was like, no, please don't do that. No, please, no. Yeah, and luckily I, they didn't. IF. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, luckily they were like, okay, we're going to do a couple other things. But like, it, it's a movie that has like eight endings. So Cassie dies. The, <laughs> yeah. the guys are like reeling from it. like, And then they're gone. Then the cops have to interview everybody. Uh, and then mm-hmm. the actual wedding ceremony happens. And it's just kind of just keeps going. Um, but like, yeah, I was shocked by how much runtime was left after her death. Mm -hmm. I was like, Oh, I thought that was going to be the ending. Uh, (laughs) And I interrupted you. I'm so sorry. What were you going to say? You know, you're not, you're not interrupting me at all. Um, I, I just, it was just so strange. Cause like, I was definitely shocked by it. I was like, Oh, Whoa. Okay. This Mm -hmm. is a new direction. All right. Let's see what, let's see what happens. But uh, again, kind of talking about like the, not not morals, but the um, like position of Cassie's character. Like it doesn't, this isn't like a byproduct of her, like uh, of any other like theme that we've talked about and that's been presented in the movie. Like it, it's mm-hmm. out of nowhere and it's cool. Like, and cool is, a, you know, is a maybe not the right word, but it's interesting that they do that. But again, it does it, story-wise, it just feels like it's just shocking. And then the ending happens and it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like, like the very end yeah, like in the wedding. I, is... That was so, and I don't use this word lightly, offensive. I was so, I was like, is this film seriously, it, it, it's, it's pretending to be uh, a commentary on 
you know, sexual assault victims, women in general, being steamrolled and ignored by, I guess, institutions such as, well, not I guess, in real life, yes, institutions, such as academia, which the film touches on for a second, institutions such as the law and the justice system, which I think it was trying to touch on with Alfred Molina. So it should have went there with the police because we get that scene of the cop interviewing Bo Burnham and the cop is basically just like, women, right? Sounds like she killed herself. All right, you're a good man. See you later. And I was like, okay, (laughs) the movie should end here because very often... That's how the police are in real life. Very often the police are not champions for sexual assault victims and are not the vehicle through which victims will get their comeuppance or or closure or justice. And then in the end, we see the police doing exactly that. We get the, and this I will call fantastical, shot of Al Monroe being cuffed and carried away to a police vehicle Uh, And I'm just like, wow, this movie really for an hour and a half, two hours, whatever, was like, look at how women are ignored in higher uh, institutions, such as, again, academia, law. And then it ended with like, (laughs) look how the police saved the day and we're we're a key part in Cassie getting her revenge. And I'm like, this is a joke. (laughs) That was just egregious. Yeah, it's a very, very very strange position to take and one that yeah doesn't really I, I it doesn't fit in with really anything else that was happening in the movie because yeah like you said with you know the themes of how women are ignored and how they're treated and how they're harassed and all of that and the police have obviously been a key factor in that for decades and yeah. then not only to have like i just don't understand how this being a part of cassie's plan like how is this a I don't know. It's just weird. And like, it was a little confusing. Like it's just like, cause she, she has, first of all, you can schedule a text message. (laughs) Yeah. The technology in this film was weird. I I hated the fake social media websites. Very (laughs) distracting. But yeah, you can schedule a text message. What? Yeah. And she had to, that means she had to do it at like, it's so precise. So it's okay. So <laughs> she I'll make knew this the one. wedding was going on. Yeah. So the wedding's going to happen at like 12. So at like 12.05, I'll send the first one, right? Because they're at the reception. <laughs> they'll hang out, right? We got to give the police a little bit of time to get there because they're the heroes. They're always on top of stuff, right? So we'll add then the sense and the second one, like two minutes later, we'll let Bo Burnham sit on that for a little bit and then we'll bring it all home with the winky face a minute. Like that, yeah. that is I, it, no yeah, one's really that good at scheduling on, uh, <laughs> people checking their phones during a wedding. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, if there's one thing that the police are known for, it's definitely their timeliness. Uh, they literally find her. Um, they find Jesus. her like it's like two days. It's like two days afterwards that she like Wait, yeah, they kill was her. It? I was confused on how much time passed because it's the it's bachelor party. I think so. Cool. The bachelor party oh, usually happens yeah. the night before the wedding. So the bachelor party <laughs> yeah. happens and then it's the wedding and then it's the it's it's literally 24 hours. 
Yeah. That is yeah. banana pants. <laughs> also, the okay, you know, I've been I've been dunking on this movie for not having anything remotely fantastical in terms of violence. Uh we did get a pretty, I guess, fantastical sequence of uh Al Monroe and his friend burning Cassie's body, which felt so out of place because the film did not have the, you know, did not set the precedent of this is a universe in which people do things that normal people don't usually do. But I was like, it feels like the movie's asking a lot of me to believe that like these douchey frat guys would go as far as to burn a body and, uh, you know, cover up yeah. a murder. It's in like, the open of course beach, I believe. Right by where <laughs> the... Where the wedding's yeah. taking place. Like, of course I believe that these douchey frat guys are, like, date rapists, but mm-hmm. I felt the movie was asking a lot for me to believe that they would cover up a murder, but are also still supposed to be bumbling, stupid idiots. It, it just felt very weird. It felt like I was watching a poorly written Always Sunny episode, just like a buddy, two two buddies, like, having to deal with this. Just very bizarre. Yeah, I, <laughs> I I think the idea is, and I, I could be completely wrong, but I just had this thought. I think maybe the idea is, because I, I definitely believe that everything that Emerald Fennell did in this movie was completely intentional. Like, she had a really good creative <laughs> control. Um, and I, I'm sure there's a reason that she had behind all of this, and I think the idea is Cassie never, or I guess the idea is uh, she never inflicts like physical violence or anything like that on any of the male characters that she meets. And the only actual real physical violence that is um, seen and perpetrated is from Al Monroe to her. Mm-hmm. And then with later with her friend, when they get rid of the body. Um, mm-hmm. So I guess that's supposed to be the idea of how, you know, the culture is like, you know, women are there. Like she's just using like words and some of her actions to, um, but men like are they're the creating the physical violence. The problem is, is that like it it doesn't really come through. That was just an idea that I just had off the top of my head, but it it, mm-hmm. it doesn't it just doesn't feel right. Not right in the yeah. sense of morally right. I'm saying just like in terms of the story, it just feels like a strange choice that doesn't I don't I don't think it gets the yeah. point across because the film is trying to depict or at least has been lauded as depicting, you know, women's rage, because I think, you know, that's the thing we and I'm saying we as women, we're all pissed off about, you know, living in a society that uh, is kind of inherently violent uh, at the worst, dismissive at the best of women and, and you know what we go through and but uh I, i've seen this film get praised for quote unquote uh aptly depicting that rage uh from women and i think that it actually didn't because as you said we don't see any kind of physical violence the only uh you know i i guess violence through words that we see is a, a harsh scolding in which she doesn't even raise her <laughs> a, voice. A stern talking to. Yeah, like a finger <laughs> wag in their face. Uh, and I think any of that real rage was just totally lacking. Uh, and 
that again to me is is kind of lazy on the filmmaker or scriptwriter, whoever, Emerald Fennel, I'll just say that in general, on Fennel's part, uh, is pretty lazy because I think, you know, it's hard to depict somebody as rageful and yet uh redeemable because I think dealing with trauma uh often brings about uh or kind of manifests as off-putting personality traits, such as, you know, being rageful and and bitter and sullen. And that's kind of off-putting to people, but we don't get that in this movie. Cassie is able to, like, swing a date with a pediatric surgeon who's very charming. And, you know, that's the whole thing with the reveal of Bo Burnham's role in Nina's assault is that he's not actually as charming as he seems or he's not as nice as he thinks he is or that uh you know a man can appreciate consent uh and 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 respect women in their own personal dating lives but as soon as it's somebody that uh, a woman that they're not very intimately involved with or that there isn't their sister or cousin or whatever, uh, somebody that there's that removal of, of knowing of intimacy that they kind of don't care. And that's what Bo Burnham's character was trying to depict. And it's like, okay, I get it. But yeah, I, 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 it really just goes back to me having a problem with Cassie being depicted as so likable and relatable because I think that the movie kind of was not seeking women who are bitter and sullen as a result of dealing with trauma. It, it wasn't seeking their approval or even it almost feels their, their viewership. And so I'm like, who is this movie for? Uh, like, it makes me again say that I feel like this movie is for slacktivists whose idea of bringing awareness to women's rights or, or to victims is sharing an infograph on Instagram, not, you know, like checking up on a friend that they haven't heard from in a while because their friend is sullen and withdrawn <laughs> as a result of being traumatized. And that's a pretty specific, but still general, you know, maybe straw man for me to make. I don't know. But it just, do you see what I mean? Yes. Yes, I totally understand what you mean. And I, I just, yeah, I, it's the, the weird thing is, is that like, because the, the reveal at the end that like, yes, even though her plan doesn't really make any sense, the fact that what does happen kind of is like, I, I did not at all expect it. And so I was like, mm-hmm. whoa, okay here's an interesting twist like wow okay but like the other thing is like it 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 kind of i get the feeling like this is supposed to be like her masterpiece like her this is what she's been leading to and like but like everything else has yeah (laughs) and then this like everything else has been leading to this but it kind of doesn't it just like this just kind of happens as its own thing um like you could have like part of me feels that if you took when the five comes up on the screen from when she gets mm-hmm. out of the car and that terrible violin cover of Britney Spears toxic. Oh my God. Playing, that was th- bad. I, I, I almost threw up. I was just like, this is that awful. I hate bad. it. Um, <laughs> just don't just no, never, ever, ever do something like that. I don't care what movie it is. Like, it's just awful. Um, 
to the to the ending, like from there, that whole however long that is, like tw- like thirty twenty like yeah, twenty or thirty minute stretch, long. feels yeah. like its own thing. Like that's yeah. an uh, its own story. And really, if you just watch that, if I if I just if we just watch that section, having no other context of the rest of the movie, not knowing what it was, um, and not understanding the events of what came before. Like that is a story in and of itself, yeah, and but it, it doesn't it, it it and not in a way where something like like the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford, the last like thirty minutes of that movie kind of feel like its own separate movie, but in kind of the best way. But this just feels like nothing else came before it mattered. Yeah, like it just it just it, I don't know. It's just a it's a very weird way to pace the movie and structure the movie, and. And yeah, I mean, there is a cool like Black Mirror style twist feeling at the end. But like if this movie is supposed to be a commentary on, you know, women not getting the justice that they deserve, then why the why have that ending? Because that just feels like unrealistic. The police swooping in and cuffing Al Monroe like like what? Um, Because I. Yeah, I have a really big problem with whatever this movie thought it was doing in terms of social commentary, because I'm really, really sick of, you know, seeing this narrative that I think has been maybe exhausted is the wrong word, but definitely done before of, you know, the uh, the upper middle class, uh, or if not upper middle class, then definitely socially protected. You know, Cassie has a job. She's got the support of her parents. She has friends, kind of. Uh, her boss is her friend. Uh, woman dealing with, uh, you know, trauma uh, as a result of assault. Uh, and I feel like uh, as a result of assault at the hands of, like, you know, shitty frat guys. And that's something that, yes, it's a reality. Uh, but it's like, we're, we're kind of aware of it. And, and it's frustrating to see this movie being lauded on Twitter as bringing awareness to the issue because I'm like, it's the easiest possible demographic to bring awareness to. I'm really sick of not seeing any kind of media or, you know, film bring awareness to women who are victims of sexual assault, uh, who are, you know, working class, uh, or who are, uh, institutionalized women in prison, uh, being victimized or young women in foster care, women in domestic spheres, maybe the wrong word to use, but, you know, being victimized by husbands or even worse, uh, family members, people that they can't separate from with the birth that's allowed from graduating medical school or dropping out of medical school and drifting apart or unfriending on social media. Uh, You know, I think that those are narratives that are just getting so ignored and Mm -hmm. like, and and so it's just so to me, I just want to scream and do a pillow watching this narrative, which has been done uh, and talked about whether fictitiously or through, you know, actual news media um, covering very real life cases that parallel what the movie is discussing. Uh, 
being lauded as as bringing awareness or talking about the issue and it offends me it offends me to see emerald fennel (laughs) act as if she's kind of unearthing or maybe i shouldn't say she's doing this i guess to watch viewers uh act as if this movie is unearthing or uh you know drawing the curtain uh and revealing uh an unspoken issue because I think by even by trying to make Carrie Mulligan a likable protagonist alone, you're kind of uh, pretty, I, I feel, acting transparently and showing that you're not trying to do anything too edgy or, or controversial. Uh, and, you know, I think it's very cheap, to be honest. <laughs> and I think, you know... Uh, this film got a lot of Oscar nods and I think it wouldn't surprise me if it wins best picture because then the Academy gets to pat themselves on the back for acknowledging what women go through, especially uh, in the light of the Harvey Weinstein catastrophe and, and uh, wrong all that he did and, and the uh, role that Hollywood played in enabling what he did so I, I think this is going to win Best Picture. Hollywood gets to pat themselves on the back, and then they get to say women were represented and move on uh, mm-hmm. when the women who need true representation are not getting it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that offends me, Josh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, not to sound cynical, but that's just all I could think of after watching this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't. I personally don't think that it's going to win best picture i think carrie mulligan is currently like the front runner for best actress i think she has a really mm-hmm. good chance for that um i i think uh nomadland is kind of in the front of uh being the one to take home the big trophy mm. um which is exciting about me being a cynic because <laughs> i because <laughs> i do love that movie so i'm excited for that but um i i don't know if this uh what else this could possibly win um, but I think you make a great point that um, it this movie doesn't really give us anything new. And that was one thing I wanted mm-hmm. to mention about the commentary, quote unquote, or like some of the themes. It's like the only I, like I just don't know what I'm supposed to take away from this movie. Like I yeah, finished because... it and I'm like, what am I supposed to learn anything? Am I supposed to feel something? Because really the only mention of, you know, how obviously like the, the whole aura around the movie is how women are treated. But like it's like so embedded in these guys in the beginning, you know, obviously taking her home and trying to take advantage of her, but it doesn't really go anywhere. And then there's this revenge plot line and it just like, it's not something like just having those examples in the beginning of her talking to these guys is stuff. Like you said that we've seen before and you know, it's, it's fine to do things that we've seen before, but it doesn't, it, it's nothing it's it doesn't shed new light it doesn't it's like exactly like what you said it's nothing it doesn't do it in a new kind of um interesting way or offer a new perspective mm-hmm. um and you know it it it, it, and it and it is frustrating you're right that this it, it's getting so much praise and like i i don't i personally didn't think the movie was like bad or terrible but it's just so confusing and conflicting like i don't i and this is my big takeaway from this movie not like in terms of messages theme but just mm-hmm. as its position of where we are i think this movie is going to have its moment like it's having its <laughs> moment right now um once but once the oscars are done i don't think a lot of people are going to be coming back to this movie yeah. i don't think that um 
you know, it's going to be lauded in terms of like one of the best of the decade whenever we get to, you know, in whenever we get to 2030, uh, whenever that's going to be. <laughs> if know? we get there. <laughs> if we get there or if we make it out alive. Um, but I don't like I just I don't see this movie lasting very long. Yeah, like I in all honesty, does. like as we've been talking about it, like there were things that like before we started talking, I definitely had like the scenes in my head that I wanted to bring up and think about and like, you know, dive into. But as we were talking, there were more things where I was like, oh, wait, yeah, there was there was this and then there was this. But it, it's so it just kind of like leaves your head after a while because like yeah. you're so focused on the twist because it's you're like, oh, OK, I, I, I didn't see this coming. Oh, this is and this is because of how strange it is. It it leaves an impression. Like it goes out with a bang. I can give the movie this, give the movie that, but the rest of it just because of how like I I would be very 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 curious to see how this movie like if someone reacts to it like if we were to do like if we rewatched it like 5 years from now. Mm-hmm. How would we look at it? And I I don't think that and I don't mean it as like you know, I, I like I think we'll th- think it'll be like better. I just think it'll probably feel so weird and it'll just be like a very yeah. strange viewing. And I, I can't really say that that's necessarily like a complete fault of the movie because like that's just pure speculation. I totally mm-hmm. acknowledge that. But I definitely think that this movie is just going to it has its moment now. We're talking about it. There's things people like there's things people don't like. And then it's just going to go away. And then we're just going to move on to the next. And then we're just going to move on to the next controversial movie. And there's going to be another movie probably that comes out that does sexual assault and, you know, rape culture way better. Which isn't it so telling that this, oh my God, that this movie is trying to give a commentary on, you know, women and victims being forgotten about. Like a lot of the, you know, people don't remember Nina's name or whatever. So isn't it so telling? Because I agree with you that this movie will kind of fade and that people won't be talking about it as much in five years. And it, the fact that the movie is trying to give a commentary on victims of sexual assault being forgotten about and left behind, and yet it's doing th- so through such a forgettable narrative and like aesthetic portrayal, uh, it's just so funny. And that to me just shows that like I think <laughs> uh, Emerald Fennel failed at, like, at, at doing anything kind of gripping or that people will remember because I personally, and you know, it's fair that a lot of people disagree, uh, but I'm a very big proponent of visceral imagery Mm -hmm. uh, or words. I, especially dealing with trauma, because when you think about it, you know, those of us who have experienced trauma have to deal with visceral images and, you know, our, our body's memories that don't forget uh, just shit that just like sticks in your head. And so I think this movie should have done the same, you know, show us something that sticks in our heads and not necessarily mm-hmm. needing to be brutal uh, in depicting violence against women. Like I understand that it didn't want to do that. Uh, but I think if you want to get that rage across that it should have went there uh, and it just didn't, it's just, I, I think it, it was it spared, I guess, the audience uh, from the hard work of having to process what they're seeing, other than the scene of Carrie Mulligan getting smothered. That was, I agree with you, pretty hard to watch. Uh, so it spared its audience from doing that work. And it spared whoever wrote the script and whoever, well, I know who directed it, 
from having to do that work too, because it's hard to navigate visceral trauma as a narrative that people are going to want to watch. That uh, I think it's as a filmmaker, as an artist, you should take those risks of knowing that there are going to be people going to be people who don't want to watch your movie because it seems miserable or unhappy. Which I think again, that just shows how weird the like bubblegum, cutesy aesthetic was. Uh, the very girlish, mm-hmm. neon lights, cute outfits. Uh, uh, everything about this film was just so palatable when you're dealing with a very unpalatable subject matter. And I think that they should have gone about it the opposite way, like make the film just as hard to digest and, and, and deal with and sit on. Uh, and I can see people disagreeing. It's fine if they disagree with that artistic presentation, but I'm just a very big proponent for pulling no punches and Mm -hmm. just not shying away from anything visceral or exact. Uh, Yeah. I, I, I totally, I totally understand. It would have definitely made this movie a bit more interesting. Um, I don't really have any, uh, yeah. Um, I don't have any, um, like big final, um, thoughts. I've talked to kind of exhausted this, um, you know, this, this movie to death and really like, uh, put it all out there but the one thing Mm -hmm. i wanted to say is like you know we always talk about like how the movies that we talk about add to our love of film and yes i don't love this movie by any means but i think that again this is i said it at the top this is a good example of how i just think that it's important for film exhibition for um you know any form of media take something in but let it sit with you for a little bit really think about Mm -hmm. how it makes you feel and really kind of process through the what you're feeling because you know and sometimes the initial feeling of when you watch something, you're like, yes, this is how I feel. And, yeah. you know, sometimes if you revisit it, it's the same feeling. But this is just one of those examples, one of those times where I finished this movie and I really, really enjoyed it. But the more I thought about it and the more I did research and definitely us talking about it, you know, now for as long as we have, I was just like, there's just a lot in here that just doesn't work for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that is okay. And I, I think, honestly, it's, you know, it's kind of... It's it's important to do that. It's important to just sit on something. You know, sometimes the initial reaction is not the best or is not mm-hmm. like the one that is kind of true to what you're actually feeling. Just kind of let it simmer. And if it is, then it, then that's great. But just just give it a minute. Just let it breathe and see how it affects you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I agree. <laughs> do you have any other final thoughts before we sign off? Um. Just, I guess, that, again, um, I think we need a new narrative and lens through which the plight of women, and, like, I don't say that lightly, uh, is presented in media. Uh, I just, I wish this movie was more aggressive. I wish it went there. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so that left me feeling very underwhelmed. Yeah. And... Uh, and the more I sat on it, like you said, the more I was just so I felt let down. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, I'm curious to see uh, how this does in the Oscars. Uh, I think the Academy is kind of a sham in and of itself. <laughs> uh, each year, my cynicism grows more and more as mm-hmm. the Academy just 
acts faultier and faultier. Uh, but I'm I'm curious, and you know, I agree that give it five years, and probably not many people will be talking about this film. But uh, you know, post Oscars, I think some more buzz about this film will be uh, regenerated, and I'm curious to see what happens. Um, and yeah, I I more uh, visceralness in movies 2021, <laughs> more more. more truth this movie just felt very not personal to emerald fennel uh it felt very not personal and not specific to the audience that i think it should have been trying to reach i think it reached its target audience pretty well um but yeah i uh I, I ultimately love film i love movies even if it's a movie that i feel let down by or disappointed in I think it's important to, uh, you know, take in the duds as much as the the dubs movies that do do a good job. Yeah. <laughs> uh, to kind of, you know, get a sense of, of what you want out of art, especially if you are an artist yourself, gives you a more clarity on what kind of product you want to make. And yeah, yeah. Uh, Thank you for this opportunity, because otherwise <laughs> I probably would not have sought out Promising Young Woman. I probably would have been like, oh, it sounds kind of dumb, uh, <laughs> especially because I, I said earlier that I knew something going in. I knew going in that Carrie Mulligan didn't kill anybody. Uh, uh, OK. And so that alone, I was like, oh, well, already a, a letdown <laughs> uh, off to the races <laughs> yeah yeah and so that alone would have like deterred me from watching the film but you know doing this episode had me watch it mm-hmm. and it's been fun to talk about it yeah so. it was wonderful to have you back on the show thank you it was wonderful to be back on that does it for this episode of Frankly I Love Movies. Huge thanks to Rihanna for coming back on the show. It's wonderful to talk to her about movies again. She's just a delight. Frankly I Love Movies is part of the Orion Valley Productions podcast network where you can check out other podcasts such as Ravnica Avengers, our Real Play D&D podcast, and Tea Time with Titans, our Attack on Titan recap podcast. New episodes of that are out every single Wednesday. If you want more Frankly I Love Movies content, well, you can check us out on social media, on Facebook at Frankly I Love Movies, on Twitter at Frankly Podcast. And if you want more, you can follow me on Letterboxd at BigWalls21 for all recent movie reviews. Finally, tune in in two weeks when Matt Simmons makes his return to talk about another staple of the 2021 awards season uh, in the foreign language category. That is um, Thomas Vinderberg's Another Round um, from Denmark. Really excited uh, to talk about that. I've been wanting to see that for a while now. At the time of this recording, I have not watched it yet, but I'm really hoping that it lives up to the hype. Until then, I'm Josh Wall, and frankly, I love movies. <laughs>